Hi, you are now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. Today you will hear a sermon from Pastor Frank Pizor. So without further ado, here he is. Well, good morning. My name is Pastor Frank. I am the pastor of congregational care here at Harvest. And uh, if you have been here for the summer, I'm in the middle of a multi-week uh, message series on teenagers of faith. And uh, we've been talking about a whole bunch of teenagers, actually really only two. And as I was thinking about the second one, the uh, young girl in Naaman's life, I realized I talked about what a Christian's kryptonite was, which is basically we experience trauma, and in the midst of that trauma, we get angry, whether it's at people or at God, and we hold on to bitterness, and it weakens our faith. And I wanted to show how this young girl... Uh, this teenage girl at an early age was able to say, you know what, there's something about God that has so affected me that it's changed my life, and she was able to actually bless Naaman in the end. And I realized that was very, uh, my personality can be cynical, can be sort of negative, and I was focusing on the negative, and I realized, you know what, I should focus on the positive, because even though I mentioned this girl's superpowers, um, I didn't really go into depth as to what those superpowers actually were. So I want to go back to that young uh, girl today. So if you want to open your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 5. And uh, as you're turning there, um, just a, a little trivia. I'm not really good with quotes from movies. I don't know if anyone remembers Bob Kim, but Bob Kim, you could give him a quote and he would tell you the movie and who, who said it, all those things. But I figured I would give it a try today, and uh, a little trivia question. I'm going to give you a quote from a movie, and uh, then I want to see if you actually get it. Somebody, whoever gets it, raise your hand, don't shout it out, um, and then we'll work from there, okay? So, here is the quote. Rick'em, rack'em, rock'em, rake, stick that sword into that snake. Anyone know what movie that's from? Anybody? Rick'em, rack'em, rake. Rock them, stick that sword into that snake. Anybody, come on. Yes, Aladdin. Yeah, that's right at the end of the movie. That's the only thing I remember. Yes, it is from Aladdin. You get to have lunch with Ben today as your uh, reward for memorizing. Yeah, uh, it's the only movie that I really remember lines from. Like, for instance, when Jafar sings Prince Ali, yes, it is he, but not as you know him, right? Do you remember that? And uh, one of my favorite lines, is, which I want to talk about today, and if you does anyone know what Aladdin is saying in this picture? Now, right now you're saying he's not saying anything, but I mean, like in the movie. Any... Who said it? Do you trust me? Yes. Yeah. Do you trust me? Because he's turning to Jasmine and he's saying, do you trust me? Like, get on this magic carpet and let's go for a ride. Okay, as a parent, if my daughter does that, we're having a conversation afterwards. What are you getting a guy's car? You just met him. What's going on there? But that's the idea. Do you trust me? And he's already said it earlier, and he will say it again at the end of the movie. So to me, the idea of trust, integrity, are very important things that we need to reflect on. So... With that in mind, I need five volunteers, hopefully SEED's students, to help me read through these verses and tell the story. Because I recognize when you read verses, we sort of pay attention to verse 1, start to lose it in verse 2, and by verse 8, we're somewhere else. So I need five volunteers. Uh, anybody want to volunteer? Okay, I see a hand up there. Come on up. That's one. I'm, 
Okay, I have two. Come on up. Oh, Alex, three. Excellent. I... Bro, you're coming up, man. Uh, I see. Come on up. Just come on up. There's three. All right. So we got to form a line here, dudes. So let's form our line. We're three. We're a little short on the math here. Anybody? Uh, you, you young lady sitting there. Come on up. Come on. You know I'm talking to you, Kaylee. Let's go, man. All right. So let's line up here. Uh, let's see. All right. We have a fifth. All right. Come on up. Don't be afraid. All right. So I'm going to ask you to hold on to this. Hold on to this. And uh, then I'll come up to you when we, when we raise it. Because we want to make sure that we're all in this together, right? Excellent. All right. Super. Great. Wonderful. All right. And I think we can do the slides as we're going along with this. Let me get to the... Okay. Do you have the slides up? And let me really quickly get there. Sorry about that. Second Kings chapter 5. And we'll read verse 1. The king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman, the commander of his army, because through him the Lord had given Aram great victories. But Naaman, as a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. At this time, Aramean raiders had invaded the land of Israel, and among their captives was a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. One day, the girl said to her mistress, I wish my master would go see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of his leprosy. So our first character, just to kind of get us in this, as we read those verses, is our heroine. So, Winnie, you want to raise that nice and high? Nice and high, sister. You can all read this, right? Go ahead, you hold it, sister. You hold it. Well, I mean, you, you read it too, but there you go. Here, but you got to hold it up for everybody else to read. All right, excellent. There we go. All right. And it says, basically, our heroine says, I will bless you. So as we're reading this story, the first part of the story is this young girl who has experienced trauma. She has been taken from her home, and she had to move to a new land, possibly missing out on the rest of her family life, and she's been basically made a slave. And in the midst of this, she should be bitter, but when she hears her master actually has leprosy, which could lead to an early expiration date for him, instead of saying, I'm so glad you're getting what you deserve, I hope you die, she says, I want to bless you. So our first phrase is... I want to bless you. All right, so that's where we start. You can put that down now, sister. All right, so we got that. Moving on in those verses. Verse 4 then says this. So Naaman told the king what the young girl from Israel said. In other words, he listens to her. He trusts her, realizes she has integrity and honesty. And so he says... A little sign here. Oh, excellent. You're pretty good at this. Naaman says, start packing, honey. We're going to Israel. In other words, because this young woman has said, listen, I know someone who can heal you. Kind of like networking. He's going to take care of you. He's going to make you whole. Naaman absolutely trusts her and says, I'm leaving. I'm going. I believe This young girl is telling me the truth. Leprosy is not a good thing. It has isolated me. It is going to lead to a premature expiration date. I'm going. I trust her. All right. So we move on. He goes here, goes to the king. 
And then what does the king of Aram says? He says, go and visit the prophet. I will send you a letter of introduction for you to take to the king of Israel. And so our king of Aram says, what does he say? Y'all come back now. Can you read that? You can read that, right? You have good eyes. Yeah, y'all come back. In other words, the king says, hey, listen, Naaman, I trust you. I don't think you're a fool. I don't think you're an idiot. I think you really trust this girl, and I trust you. So I'm going to write you a letter to the king and say, hey, let my guy, the very guy who's been invading your land and taking your people, but let my guy come and be healed. Now, as we move along back in our story, we go into Second Kings here. So Naaman started out. He was carrying a whole bunch of gifts and this letter to the king of Israel. So he takes a letter to the king of Israel and says this, With this letter, I present my servant Naaman, and I want you to heal him of his leprosy. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes in dismay and said, Am I God? Can I give life and take it away? Why is this man asking me to heal someone with leprosy? I can see that he's just trying to pick a fight with me, which... Yes, that's right. Listen, this is the king of Israel says, are you crazy? They're up to some kind of tomfoolery. Okay, if you're taking notes as these kids, that's a really cool word, tomfoolery. Look that up later. So in other words, the king of Israel goes, wait a minute. You're invading my land. You're taking my people. You're doing all of these things that are bad to us. And now you come and say, heal my guy. In other words, the king of Israel does not trust Naaman or the king of Aram at all. No trust whatever because he thinks that they're up to evil, that if Naaman dies, then Aram gets a reason to invade and to take more people with them. So no trust whatsoever. But that's not how the story ends because then moving on into verse 8, what do we get? But when Elijah, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes in dismay, he sent this message to him, why are you upset? Send Naaman to me. And he will learn that there is a true prophet of God here in Israel, which is Elijah, our last guy, says this. Are you crazy? God is at work. Okay, perfect. You guys can sit down and think they probably tell that story. You can keep it. I'll sign it later. The idea behind that is Elijah goes, are you crazy? You think it's crazy that they're actually sending him. But I'm looking at you saying, God, is it work? God has brought this man to us so that he can see that God really, truly is God. That's our story. But where does our story start? Where does our story originate? (coughs) It originates with this young teenage girl who was a slave to Naaman. And because she has superpowers... He listens to her, does what she says. And if you continue to read into 2 Kings chapter 5, what you will find out is that Naaman eventually becomes a follower of God. Just because she had integrity, just because she was a person who was trustworthy. So here's our two points. I think the kids have these. If you want to write this down to get a a couple extra things when you turn in your stuff later on after the service, I have two points. Number one, Integrity matters. (coughs) And number two, be trustworthy. Integrity matters and be trustworthy. Okay, now, 
As adults, we absolutely are convinced this is true. For instance, when your car breaks down, what do you do? Obviously, you're going to say, well, we take it to a mechanic. But before you do that, don't just send out a message and say, does anyone know a good and honest mechanic? Right? Isn't that what we do? I once went to a company. I can't mention their name. But it's like Flame Rock. So you can figure out what the company is. And I went to Flame Rock, and I took my car in there for an oil change. The guy looked at my car and said, bro. Well, he didn't say bro. I had that. He said, sir, uh, your car needs about $2,000 worth of repairs. I said, what? Yeah, we looked at your front end. It's all messed up. It doesn't look good, and uh, you're going to have problems with your car. So we'll do this $2,000 plus the oil change. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, wait, hold on a second here. That doesn't make sense to me. Grateful uh, that at that time my brother owned an auto parts store, and he knew other mechanics, and I said, you know what? I'll come back. Okay, I lied, but I wanted to get out of it with just the oil change. When I went to the other person, they said, there's none of that stuff is wrong. All you needed was an oil change. He was trying to rip you off. That's why integrity matters to us. How about plumbers? Need a plumber? What do we do? We don't just call any plumber. We check around and ask people. One time I called a plumber, not saying their name, but it's either a chess piece or a Catholic minister, if you can figure that one out. And uh, they came over to our house, and the guy said, you know what? It's going to cost you $500 to just rod this little clog that you have. $500, and this was in the 90s, okay? I knew I was getting ripped off, but he would already had it in there. So what do we do? When we have someone who lacks integrity, we don't do business with them anymore. For instance, yesterday as I was scrolling through some final preparations, realizing that I looked up what the most distrusted profession right now. Can you guess what it is? And don't say clergy. (laughs) But the most distrusted profession right now in the United States based on a June 2023 article is what? Just see if anybody wants to know it. If they get it, they'll get an award somehow. Politicians, Congress, you can have lunch with Sandy today. Uh, Not on me, but you can pay. So anyway, Here's that. Politicians, why? In part because of COVID, right? When the politicians are telling us, don't do this, don't go here, wear masks, and then we see them going to places, whether they're at parties, whether they're getting their hair done, or whatever it is, there's that lack of integrity that gets us upset. We no longer trust them. So the reality is that, truthfully, integrity matters, right? It matters to us. If someone rips us off, we don't go back to do business with them. And we're always looking for someone who is honest and will actually do what they're supposed to do. We had a washer repairman come to our house. He pressed a button, fixed the machine just like that. I said, oh, my goodness, you're going to charge me 140 bucks just to press a button. He said, nope, I'm not going to charge you anything. That sort of integrity and trustworthiness makes me want to go back and make sure this guy comes around again because I know that I can trust him. He could have ripped me off but he didn't. That's what's going on in this story. Because remember, if it's me, and I'm this young girl, and I have an opportunity to get revenge on someone who has hurt me deeply, probably separated me from my family, what am I going to do? I'm going to rejoice. Not this young lady. To her, integrity mattered, and she was trustworthy. So now what is integrity? If you want to put down a definition kind of convoluted definition. I have someone who has integrity is someone who has a moral code 
and lives by it. In other words, they do what they say. So if I said to you, thou shalt not lie, and then you find out that I lie regularly, you would call me a hypocrite. But if you know that I will not tell a lie, even if it's going to hurt me, then you know that I have integrity. That's what integrity is. Trustworthy, someone whom you can trust. For instance, my daughter Kaylee likes to do trust falls. So we're walking down the street or something, she'll go, trust fall. And uh, she's hit her head a couple times, but that's okay. No, I'm just kidding. I, I, I catch her. But trustworthy, you want to know that you can depend on this person. And so in our story, maybe there was hesitation. Maybe there was conversation. I, I'm not really sure. All I do know is that in the end, Naaman says, I'm going to Israel. If this girl says that there is a prophet in Israel that can heal me of my leprosy, I'm on it. I'm going. I'm there. And everyone along the line is a trusting, trustworthy kind of person. So we get to the king of Israel, but that's another story. It really, truly, absolutely matters. Integrity matters. Trustworthiness matters. All of those things matter. Because for us, what we need to see in our lives is that people can really be filled with integrity and can be trustworthy. Now, this morning as I was thinking about this story, I'm thinking to myself, Really, all I'm telling you or doing right now is a TED Talk, right? It's a TED, a TED Talk because even though God is there, he's not really there because we're focused on integrity and trustworthiness. And I realized even though those are the correct words from a human perspective, from God's perspective, it still is a little bit off. So what I want to suggest to you is not only did this young girl have the superpowers of integrity, and was trustworthy, but that she was also godly. She was godlike. She was like God. Godliness, I think, is the important superpower that this girl had. Because, and I don't even know how it happened, but all I can say is that whatever it was, at some point in time, this young teenage girl extended forgiveness to the very man who caused the problems that she was experiencing, the trauma that she experienced. No bitterness, nothing whatsoever, because it was her integrity. It was her trustworthiness. It was her godliness, in turn, that would lead Naaman to say, I will go, and he will go. (coughs) He will meet Elijah, and in the end, after he meets Elisha, sorry, Shah, he ultimately will meet God and say, I will follow God. You see, it's important even in your workplace, in your school, wherever you go, to actually be a person of integrity integrity and trustworthiness and ultimately godliness. <clears throat> because that godliness, that godlikeness is what draws people to God himself. You see, our story, the story that you have, opens up hearts. It's God's story, the story of Jesus coming that changes hearts. So if we don't live with integrity, if we are not trustworthy, if we are not God-like where we are, people are not attracted to Christ. It is when we exhibit these things that people say, what makes you different? Now, what bothers me a little bit about this story is I have no idea how this young teenage girl in a sense, did what Jesus would do when, number one, Jesus hadn't come yet. Number two, she didn't have a church to go to. 
Number three, she had no small group community that sat down and opened up their Bibles because she didn't even have a Bible. So how is it that this young teenage girl expresses such great faith in the midst of all of this? And the only thing that I could come up with is that she actually experienced God. She experienced God. How, when, whatever, I have no idea, but she experienced God. Because if you can actually bless someone who has hurt you so deeply, to me, I can only see that as a work of God. This young teenage girl is a heroine of the faith. She is able to say, whatever it is, God, I will do what you ask me to do. And even though we can look at our teens sometimes and go, oh, man, I just, I don't know. I don't understand this generation. Do you ever say that as an old person? This generation, nothing like us, right? We were so hardworking. We were so focused. We never caused any trouble for our parents, right? Can I get an amen, right? All you people were good people. No rebels here whatsoever. But this generation, oh, I think God says this generation is no different. There are people who will rise up and have great faith even as teenagers, even as preteens. They are our partners in ministry even now. Now, does our story end here? No, it does not. Because I think that the godliness that this young teenage girl expressed came from God himself because God himself is one who is integrity and who is trustworthy and who is godly. How so? God is faithful. If you want to quickly turn to Psalm 36, verse 5. It reads this. Your unfailing love, O Lord, is as vast as the heavens. Can, can we, how vast is the heavens, if you think about that? <clears throat> I mean, if you, this vast... Even vast, I mean, there's like, it seems like there is no end to its vastness. But he goes on, he says, your faithfulness, trustworthiness, integrity reaches beyond the clouds. Some versions say up to the skies. Has anyone ever seen the end of the sky? No, right? The psalmist is saying there is no end to the faithfulness of God. How faithful is God? In Genesis chapter 3, he promised that there would be a redeemer. That redeemer's name is Jesus. He came. In Genesis chapter 12, God promised that through Abraham, not only would his descendants be blessed, but they would bless the nations. Can that young girl say amen to that? Yes, she can. Why? Because as a seed of Abraham, she blessed Naaman, who was not of the nation of Israel, who in turn experienced redemption. God is faithful. When Jesus turned to the disciples and he said, I will neither leave you nor forsake you, 11 of them experienced horrific death. And yet they would say we knew that God has never left us or forsaken us. You see, being a person of integrity, being someone who is trustworthy, being someone who is godly, happens when we recognize the God we follow is all of those, and we are those because of who he is, not just because we want to be good people. My struggle in following Jesus is this. I think I'm a good person, which is nice, but without being a godly person, 
without being a godlike person, without being like God in the way he wants us to live, we're still missing the point of why he has called us into his family to proclaim a message that this God is faithful and that what he has promised, he will do. That's why we look at this young girl, because we're not only looking at someone who is a heroine of the faith and say, oh yeah, teens can be faithful, because it's not just about the teen who is faithful, it is about the God who met that teen, changed that teen's life, who in turn changed someone else's life, who continued to go on and change other people's lives. When we meet God for who God is, not for who we have made him to be, we find that he is trustworthy. We find that he is worthy to be followed and worshipped, and we can trust that what he has promised, he will do. And so that's why we look at this young girl, because she tells us, without a church, without a small group, without a Bible, and without Jesus, it is possible to follow God. We have all of those, and it is possible for us as well. We can learn from her faith as she exhibited thousands of years ago. Let's pray. Our Father, you are a God who is trustworthy, one who fulfills his promises. To me, the cool thing is that you invite us to be a part of your family. And because you love us so much, you have initiated this process of bringing into your family by giving us your son, Jesus. You promised he would come, and he came. You promised that he would save your people from their sin, and he did. You promised that he would rise from the dead, and he did. And now seated at your right hand, Father, he prays for us. This Jesus, who gave everything voluntarily, in order to set us free, has fulfilled his promises. So, Father, I pray that we as a church, when we come to your word, when we come to you, we'll see that you are a God who is faithful. And that our faithfulness, our trustworthiness, our living in integrity is not just to be a good person or a good citizen, which is a good thing. But I pray that its foundation is found in your character and who you are and how you want to shape us and turn us into Jesus. That the lives that we live reflect Jesus more and more as we go through each day. That our superpower of being people of integrity, our superpower of being people who are trustworthy, our superpower that expresses compassion and love for people in need is expressed by the way we live. And that when we fall, when we fail, again, God, you are faithful to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, to forgive us, to make us clean, to make us pure, to bring us back into relationship. Our God, you, God, are faithful. That is what we rest our lives in. And in your faithfulness, I pray that the spirit that you have placed in us will come alive, will stir in us this longing, this desire for godliness, for holiness, for rightness with you, so that when we live in this world, people see not us, our faults and our failings, but they see you, Jesus, and your faithfulness, your trustworthiness, your integrity. Amen.
Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.